You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, says, Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Thursday, and we're so glad to have you with us. Tag a friend. Let them know they can get us on Facebook, YouTube, and I want you to start moving over into Mike Moore Ministries, my page there, because shortly that's going to be your primary way of getting me. I'm transitioning into Mike Moore Ministries. So glad to have you with us. We're teaching, as many of you know, on the subject winning the marriage game. This is an eight lesson series, and we're on lesson seven. Now, in lesson six, I began a part, a special part of this series entitled Sex is Not a Spectator Sport. Sex is Not a Spectator Sport. And this part of our series will last three lessons, our last three lessons, lesson six, our last session out, this session, and then our final section. We're going to be talking about sex is not a spectacular spectator sport. Now, so you see that we're going to be dealing with some adult matter. So you matter. So you may want to not have your kids. I know many times families sit and watch the podcast, but in this we're dealing with adult material. So you may not want your kids to be involved in this. Now, I know you're probably thinking, you mean to tell me you're going to teach the last three lessons on sex when all the other lessons been one lesson? Yes. Surprised me too. Never planned it out. But when I got to this section, the Spirit of God began to deal with me about slowing down and sharing in this uh, part of the series in more depth. And I believe because I'm being led that God wants to minister to some couple, some individual, some believer. And I believe God wants you to have a mutually fulfilling sex life and marriage. So let's, let's jump right in. In our last session, lesson six, which was part one, we talked about God's original plan for sexual relations in marriage. We learned several things. We learned that it is God's will for couples to have sexual relations on a high level and that it should be beautiful and not shameful. It should be a priority part, central part of your relationship. And we found out that God wanted to be mutually enjoyable. Then we shifted to the reality. We wanted to see God's plan and we shifted into reality. And we realized that many couples have a sexless marriage. And we talked about the signs of a sexless marriage. So in this lesson today, We're going to look at some of the causes 
of a sexless marriage, and we're going to get over into the spiritual answers. So let's go back and define what a sexless marriage is. A sexless marriage is a marriage with no sex, no sexual relations between the couples or low sex. It is a marriage where sexual relations happens fewer than 10 times a year. One uh, research said that 20 to 30% of men and 30 to 50% of women say they have no sex drive or a little sex drive. Think about that for a moment. We're talking about sexual relations in marriage. It's God's idea. We prove that from the scripture. God uh, created this to be a pleasurable mutual experience and uh, uh, experience between married couples. Yet, this research says that 20 to 30 percent of men have little or no sex drive. 30 to 50% of women have little or no sex drive. So now think about it. That means that there are many marriages that would come under the heading of a sexless marriage. So we talked about the signs, and you can go back that go back on Mike Moore Ministry, go back on YouTube. And look at that lesson if this is your first lesson. And today we want to talk about the causes. Let's look at some of the causes of a sexless marriage. Number one, physical health problems. Physical health problems can contribute to a sexless marriage. In other words, low testosterone Hormonal imbalances, poor diet, poor sleep patterns and problems, obesity, lack of exercise. So a sexless marriage can be rooted in just physical health problems. Number two, performance-related problems. Sometimes... Couples don't engage in sex because of performance-related problems like premature ejaculation, (coughs) erectile dysfunction, painful intercourse. Some uh, females, wives, experience painful uh, sexual intercourse. Number three, mental health problems can cause a sexless marriage, stress, depression, a history of sexual abuse, or other negative past experiences, poor self-esteem, poor body image, your shame of your body. It could be anger. It could be resentment. It could be the fear of pregnancy. It could be um, unforgiveness, mental health problems. 
A fourth cause of a sexless marriage can be medical side effects. Maybe you're on medication and the medication is sapping your sex drive. Number five, drugs or alcohol use. Drug use can decrease sex drive. Alcohol, in some cases, can decrease sex drive. Number six, adultery, affairs, infidelity. You know, you can't really... You know, whatever you give your attention to, you will desire. That's just the principle of life. So if you're in an affair, it's going to be difficult for you to have that same kind of expectation, anticipation, and excitement about your spouse. Same-sex desires. Sometimes uh, it may be a homosexual uh, tendency. It may be uh, the wife has lesbian type desires. So it can be uh, same sex desires that can contribute to a, a sexless marriage. Pornography, that's a big problem. Addiction to pornography, you're not going to have a strong desire for your spouse if you're feeding your mind and feeding your emotions with uh, pornographic material or, or pictures. Number nine, excessive masturbation. Excessive masturbation. Some cu couple spouses are meeting their own needs through masturbating. Number uh, 10, uh, temporary circumstances like childbirth, bereavement, loss of a job. You just don't feel like having sex. Number 11, exhaustion. Just tired. Work, child care, uh, caregiving to aging parents. Uh, it can be just exhausting. Life can sometimes be exhausting and it can impact a person's sex drive. By technology, in a strange way, some people, they have televisions in their bedroom. Nothing wrong with that if that's your desire. Some people uh, like uh, watching uh uh, social media uh, in their bed at night. Some people like their cell phones and their computers in their bed, laptops and all those. Their uh, uh, iPads all in the bedroom. And so they're given to that. It can uh, hinder your sex life. Uh, Age-related sexual indifference. Age-related sexual indifference. Now, I am 67 years old. I personally believe that sex should get better as you age. You know, when you're young, you experiment it, but as you age, you should know what you're doing. But age-related sexual indifference, I'm too old for that kind of stuff. I don't want to hear that. I'm too old for that kind of stuff. Uh, age-related sexual indifference. Sometimes, number 14, sex isn't good. It's just not good. Why do I want, why should I want something that's not good? It's boring, not fulfilling. The person that I'm married to is self-centered. They get theirs and bam, they through with this. Okay. Sometimes it's just business. Number 15, you just have an active life and you just 
too busy to plan time or you think you're too busy to plan time or it's not a priority and planning time to have sex. And then number six, 16, it can be, but may not be a deteriorant to a healthy sex life, sleeping in separate beds. Now, there are different reasons why people sleep in separate beds. One study one study says that 40% of couples, 40%, 4 out of 10 couples will sleep in different beds at some point of time. Now, let's look at some of the reasons why couples may sleep in separate beds. Uh, maybe one spouse has an early work schedule or one spouse is an early riser. And if the other spouse is a very light sleeper, every time the spouse get up, other spouse is going to wake up, have to try to go back to sleep. So the decision may be made to sleep in separate beds or one spouse is a snorer. I mean, if you got a person snoring and they sound like a hog or a cow or whatever, you know, in the bedroom at night, it's going to be difficult for the other person to sleep. So you may make that decision. Then you may have one spouse who's a TV watcher. They like watching TV in the bed at night. The other person, the other spouse want to go to sleep. And for them, bedroom is sleep. For the other person, it's a comfortable place where I can watch a movie, watch TV. Then other, other situations may be thermostat wars. Now, so sleeping in a different bed between married couples is not necessarily a sin, will not necessarily hinder your sex life if you decide to plan other times when you and your spouse can get together. You see, just because you don't sleep in the same bed at night doesn't mean you can't have a healthy sex life. You just have to prepare it and plan for other times for you all to get together. So we, you can see I mentioned 16 different potential causes for a sexless uh, marriage. Now, say this. The word of God is the answer. Come on, say it again. The word of God is the answer. Now, I believe that it is the answer to everything. Spirit, soul, body, socially, financially. Socially has to do with your relationships. If the word is the answer for health problems or the answer for financial problems or the answer for sexual, uh, for uh, uh, spiritual problems, then it can be the answer for sexual related problems. I believe that God wants couples to have a healthy sexual life. So I want to give you, there are two sides to this matter. We're going to look at one side today, then we'll move to another side in our next and final lesson. This side, we're going to deal with the spiritual side. Yeah, we're going to get real spiritual in talking about sexual relations. But I want to encourage you, if you, you have problems in some of these areas, as I was walking you through it, I would 
encourage you to go to the doctor, get a physical, talk to your doctor, and you should have a doctor that you can even talk to about your sex life because they have a confidential clause in their occupation. And maybe the doctor can help you or give you insight on what's happening in your body. So I want to strongly suggest that you go to the doctor. So now let's approach it from the spiritual side. And to approach it from the spiritual side, we have to always go to the word. The word is the answer. First John chapter five, verse four says that for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So faith can overcome any challenge that you will face, even sexual relations challenges. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 <clears throat> Pardon me. Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, whether you realize it or not, this is a test. It's a temptation. It's a challenge to your marriage. Now, Mark 11, verse 24 says, what things soever you desire. Now, listen at that. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Notice whatsoever thing, anything, anything is a blank uh, check anything. God says anything that you desire. And we know that a healthy sexual relationship with your spouse is God's will. Whatsoever thing you desire, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So now listen at this. But before we give you some keys, marriage is a team sport. It's a team sport. Now, if both of you are satisfied with having a sexless marriage, in other words, sex is not a part of your marriage. Maybe just not very often do you have sex or maybe you don't have sex at all. If both of you are satisfied and content in your relationship because you got other things that make your relationship vibrant, and satisfying. And if both of you are satisfied, then you don't need to follow me on none of this, the rest of this, because both of you are happy and it's your business. It is your business. And I'm not trying to get in your business. However, if both one of you are dissatisfied with your sex life, I want to give you some help. If both of you are satis dissatisfied with your sex life, then I want to give you some tips, some help. I believe it will help you. Now, you have to desire help. You have to desire things to be better. Now, again, if you're both happy, forget the rest of what I'm saying. But if one of you are not happy with your sex life, then the person 
who is unhappy should have a discussion with the person, your spouse, and listen, spouse, if your spouse comes to you and says, I'm not happy with my sex life, whether you satisfy, whether you please or not, it should matter to you about your spouse because you love your spouse and you want to meet the need of your spouse. Okay, now, listen at this. I've got seven tips. You know, I like seven So I'm going to give you seven spiritual things that you can do to enhance your, the sexual experience in your relationship. Number one, you need to know what God's will is. Know what God's will is because faith begins where the will of God is known. So let's look at the word. Let's see what the word says about God's will. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse two through three in the New Living Translation says, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. Now notice here, it's clear that God wants both of you to satisfy your spouse's needs. That's what the scripture says. First Corinthians seven, two through three. Now, in verse 5, it says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to prayer and fasting. And or but come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So the Bible says that both of you can consent to refrain from sexual relations for a period of time, but come back together. And it says, so that Satan will not tempt you for your lack of self-control. So I want you to notice something here right quick. I want you to notice something right quick. Self-control is a mutual responsibility the Bible says you come back together now. You can you can refrain from sexual relations, but it says come back together so Satan won't tempt you for your lack of self-control. In other words, if a, if a spouse has a sexual desire, sex drive, sex need, it is to be satisfied by his or her spouse. So you may refrain, but the scripture says come back together because you're going to have only one avenue of meeting that sexual need, and that's your spouse. So it comes back together so that say you won't tempt you for your lack of self-control. So now notice the self-control is not just one spouse's responsibility. The self-control is both spouses' responsibility. It is my responsibility to assist my wife in having self-control by meeting her needs. It is her responsibility to assist me in self-control by meeting my needs sexually. So it's mutual responsibility. Then it is a corporate responsibility to keep Satan out of your relationship. 
because if you don't come back together, the Bible says that Satan comes in and will tempt you in that area. So we know that is God's will. Number one. Number two, avoid counterfeit solutions. Sexual immorality, whether it's heterosexual or same-sex relations or prostitution, is a counterfeit solution. Pornography is a counterfeit solution. Masturbation, excessive masturbation is a counterfeit solution. And I'm not dealing with whether or not masturbation is a sin or not. I'm dealing with the fact that if you are satisfying your need through masturbation and it keeps you from desiring your spouse, then that is a counterfeit solution. Uh, avoidance and withdrawal is a counterfeit solution. Maybe you're ashamed because maybe you can't get an erection or maybe you have erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or painful sexual intercourse. And for you, avoidance and withdrawal is the answer. I'm saying that it is a counterfeit uh, solution. Number three, pray that God create the desire on the inside of you, for you, for your partner, and for sex. Maybe you don't have a desire. Listen, listen, Mike, I don't have a desire for sex. I don't have a desire for my spouse. Well, I'm saying, okay, you don't have a desire. That doesn't mean you can't have a desire because the Bible says in Philippians 2.13, New Living Translation, it says, for God is working in you giving you the desire. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And it is God's desire that you please your spouse, especially if she or he has a need or both of you have a need. You say, well, I don't have, I have a low sex drive. I don't have the desire. Now I told you first, to go to the doctor because there could be some medical hormonal reasons why you don't have a desire. There could be some medical reasons why you don't have a desire. But listen, God will create a desire on the inside of you and give you the capacity to perform. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13 that God will create the desire. So go to God, ask God to create the desire for your spouse. Create the desire for sexual relations with your spouse. Ask God to create the desire on the inside of you for sexual relationships. Ask him to create the desire. Number four, pray for a revelation. Pray for a revelation. Ask God, you have a sexless marriage. You don't want it to be sexless, but you have one. So ask God, okay, God, what's going on? Okay, God, what's wrong here? Okay, God, what is the core? What is the root problem here? Sometimes there are things going on that you're unaware of, and God wants to give you insight if you're asking for what, about what's going on, asking for revelation, Psalms 139, Psalms 139, 23 through 24, New Living Translation. This is the spiritual side. I told you we're going to talk word today. Listen at this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
test me, know my anxious thoughts, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search me, point out anything in me. See, you can take the word and sometimes God can show you something. It may be resentment, it may be bitterness, it may be something that happens it happened in your past. Ask God for revelation about what's wrong, what's going on. Mark 4.22 says, For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. Now notice, you can take Psalms 139, 23 through 24, Mark 4, 22, and ask God to give you revelation, ask God to give you insight to what's going on in your marriage, what's going on in your sex life in marriage, what's going on in your spouse, what's going on in you. What is the core problem? What is the root problem? That's number four. Number five, pray for wisdom on what to do. Now, revelation has to do with what's going on. What's the problem? What's happening? What is the root cause? That's number four. But number five, you want to pray for wisdom on what to do. It's one thing to have revelation about what the problem is. It's another thing to have wisdom on what to do. So, and number five, you're going to ask God, okay, give me wisdom on what to do. What should I do? He may say, go to the doctor. He may say, you have a hormonal problem. He may say, you have a testosterone problem. He may say, you have an emotional unresolved issue. You want to ask God for what to do. James 1, verse 2 through 6 and then, uh, especially verse five and six, it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So James chapter one verse five and six says that if you don't know what to do, you can ask God for wisdom and he will give it to you liberally, but ask in faith. So once you ask for revelation and you believe you receive it, then you're going to ask for wisdom and you're going to believe you receive the moment you ask, the moment you ask. I pray this prayer often. God, give me wisdom. Show me what to do. According to James 1, 5, and 6, I believe I receive your wisdom right now. Now, notice when you pray the prayer and believe you receive, you may not mentally know what to do. But on the inside of you as a believer, the Bible says that Christ in you it's the fullness of revelation, the fullness of wisdom, the fullness of insight. So, so wisdom, <clears throat> wisdom is on the inside of you. 
as you begin your confessions, because you're going to pray this one time, give me wisdom on what to do. You're going to pray at one time, believe you receive, and every day you're going to begin to confess. I believe I know what to do. I believe I know what steps to take. I believe I know. And somewhere, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, Christ lives in you by spirit. The wisdom that's on the inside of you will manifest into your mind and impact your thoughts and you will know what to do. Number six, ask, ask God for grace. Ask God for grace. Grace is the ability to perform the will of God. He's going to give you the ability to perform James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Ask God for more grace. Now, here's a beautiful thing. And I know some of you may, you're in a natural realm. Let's say you struggle getting an erection husbands, or or you're dealing with something else in your bodies, or you're dealing with the aging factor and you're not sure you can get it going again. You know what I mean? Talking to both of you, uh, husbands and wives, I'm telling you, God will quicken your body. God will inject supernatural energy in your physical body. Now watch this. Romans 4, 17 says God gives life to the dead. He quickens the dead. He gives life to the dead. Then in verse 19, it says both Sarah and Abraham were dead in their bodies. Now watch this. It's talking stuff about their their penis and their vagina. It's talking about their reproductive organs. It says that Adam was dead. Adam couldn't get an erection. God, Adam couldn't get it going on. She was dead. She had no, no vibrancy in her, her, her organs. She, she had no capacity to enjoy it. And then the Bible says that God gives life to the dead. Now he's talking about their reproductive organs. He's talking about their penis and their vagina and their physical body. And God has a way of injecting power on the inside of you in your reproductive areas, in your sex areas. God will do that. The Bible says in Genesis 18, verse 11 through 12, in the New Living Translation, it says, Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So when God spoke about her having a baby the next year, she laughed silent to herself and said, how could, now this is what Sarah said in the New Living Translation, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy pleasure, especially when my master, my husband is also so old. Think about it. She, from a natural standpoint, said, I'm too old to enjoy sex. I'm too old. And then my husband is old. There's no way we can have an enjoyable sex life. But verse 14, God asked the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? So when the Bible says in Romans 4, 17, that God quickens the dead, he's talking about the sexual experience. 
God will do something supernatural in your sex organs, in your physical body, and he will cause you to be able to engage the sexual experience, and he will cause you to enjoy it. That's what the word says. Now, number seven, you got to act in faith. James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works corresponding actions is dead. So you hear the word. you got to act in faith. You hear it. You believe it in spite of the fact that you've had problems enjoying sex, problems desiring sex. You believe what the word says. You begin to confess, I enjoy my spouse. I enjoy sex. I enjoy. I can get any rich. You're going to say that in your private life. You're going to be saying that I can satisfy my wife. My wife receives and, and, and achieves an orgasm. You're going to start confessing it and then you're going to act on it. You're going to get in that bedroom or wherever you have sex at and you're going to, you're going to practice. You're going to act out on what you believe. And I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the power of God is going to hit your bedroom and you're going to have a wonderful time in Jesus name. And I, I like to get you, I like to have your testimony. I know people kind of squirmish about sharing stuff like this. So if you, is this too personal for you to share it? I understand. But if it's not too personal, you can give me your testimony at pastor at faithchapel.net. You can send me a, a email and I, I'll share your testimony. I won't give your name, but I'll share your testimony uh, with others. I believe the power of God is released right now in Jesus' name in your bedroom. Now, next lesson, our next session is our eighth and final session, and we're going to talk about the practical side of this sex is not a spectator sport. We're going to look at some practical things. This lesson we dealt with spiritual. Next session, we're going to deal with the practical side. Listen, thank you for joining me uh, in this session. I believe that you've been blessed and I speak blessings over you in Jesus' name. And I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.